Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hi, ladies. How are we doing today? Hi. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> you guys, the guests just keep on, they keep showing up and we have the just the most exciting one. I mean, I, they're all exciting, but I'm really excited about this one. We are so blessed and lucky to have Christy Woolwear on today. Christy and I met because we share a literary agent. Shout out to Mary DeMuth. Team um, Mary. She, Team Mary. She is author of the book Nervous Breakthrough, which is now available for pre-orders, which we are beyond excited about. She is a speaker. She's a mama to three beautiful kiddos, and she is the founder of uh, her nonprofit ministry, Fearless Unite, and she is a daughter of the king, and we're so excited that she's here to talk about bum, 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 anxiety, <laughs> and yeah, we're just so excited to dive into this. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And it's, uh, I've never had a drum roll before the word anxiety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's normally a fun topic, you know, but we're going to make it fun and we're going to make we're it. We're going to make it fun. We are. We are. We are. We're, we're going we're gonna to have some breakthroughs today. I feel it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, we're so excited. So we are, we're like just waiting desperately for this book. But Mead and I really wanted to have this conversation today because we both coach and speak to a lot of women that end up reaching for alcohol to combat anxiety and feelings of stress. And we, you know, know, and I think we've spoken to a little bit how that ends up obviously compounding you know, anxiety with raised adrenaline and cortisol. And when you get to the point like Mead and I have, when you realize it's actually doing the opposite of reducing anxiety, it's compounding it. One of the first steps to kind of break free from that belief. But we want to take that conversation a step further today and talk about what you can, what we, you know, further amazing tactics and yours are based on scripture, which is so amazing of how you can, yeah, tackle anxiety. So. Can we just kick off with you telling us a little bit about your story and, and yeah, all of, all the good stuff. I, for as long as I could remember, I was the girl that could get anything done. The overachiever, the, the successful girl that got all the leading roles in the plays. And, and so what wound up happening is that started kind of in fourth grade and followed me all throughout my high school, my college career, and then even into the corporate world where I became a, a sales medical manager doing really, really good for myself at about 25 years old. So success Success and accolades and titles was my drug of choice. Now, alcohol was something that I definitely turned to, but for some reason, my body does not handle it well. So I get really sick a lot of times when I drink, but I did drink and I did turn to it because I needed something to help me numb just the stuff that was going on inside of me. But what's weird is everyone has a different threshold for stress and anxiety. And I kind of I, I liken it to a car that needs an oil change. Newer cars can go a lot further before they, they blow up because they, they need an oil change, right? Well, depending on the wear and tear on your body and what you do, some people's capacity for, you know, for fear and anxiety threshold is, is a lot lower than other people's. So mine was really, really high, girls. So I could go a long time with a lot of capacity doing a whole bunch of stuff. And like people would be like, you're crazy. You're like superwoman. How do you get everything done? And that followed me all throughout my life until, until my engine blew. And then, so in 2011, I'm the most successful I've ever been in my life. I'm at the top of the, the, the corporate career ladder. I'm making a ton of money at 25 years old. I'm happily married. I've got beautiful children. Everybody's healthy. My life is as good as it possibly could be. And then on the sunny beaches of Cancun, boom, all of a sudden, it's like, I can't breathe. What's going on? I'm, I'm reading my People magazine, Gossip magazine. Now, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus at this point, and that's important to the story. 
but I'm drinking a, a, a beverage and all of a sudden something, I felt like I had to get out of here now. Well, what wound, winds up happening is I have a panic attack in Cancun. I didn't know it at the time that it was a panic attack. I get home from this vacation and my body starts spiraling, spiraling out of control. I open up my email to see all of the work that I've missed while I was on vacation. And then all of a sudden I start seeing black dots in my eyes. And then the right side of my body starts going numb. And then that just starts snowballing into more, into more, into more. And before you know it, I'm like four days into what are panic attacks. And again, I'm not even putting the correlation together that I'm having panic attacks. I think, I, I, I don't know what I thought was happening to me. It got so bad at like 3 a.m., I could not move the right side of my body. I was, I felt completely paralyzed. Call my doctor, my primary care physician. And he says, Christy, I think you're having a stroke. I think you need to go to the emergency room. <sighs> right now. Jeez Louise. Wow. Well, a doctor tells you you're having a stroke. Any shred That's of not going to help. No. <laughs> gosh. So I get admitted to the hospital. They do the whole nine yards workup, MRIs, cardiac screening, everything. This takes a while, of course. And I'll never forget the ER doctor comes in. He was very soft-spoken and he just looks at me and said, Christy, you're having panic and anxiety. I'm going to discharge you, but that's all that's going on right now. And I'm like, I want to punch him in the face because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm having a heart attack. There's something going on. I can't move my body. Like, this can't just be stress and anxiety. Are you crazy? You've gone mad, you know. So I get discharged with a bottle of Xanax, and my life spiraled out of control after that. It was back-to-back -back panic and anxiety attacks. I couldn't leave my bedroom. Hair was falling out of my head. I could not sleep. I could not eat. I lost weight rapidly. My mother had to come care for our children because I could not leave my bedroom. And the darkest moments of this hell and torment, I had suicidal thoughts. I didn't think I was going to make it out of this alive, ladies. And it wasn't until I had my follow-up with my primary care physician from the hospital visit that he looked me in the eyes and he said, Christy, you've got severe panic and anxiety disorder. And I just remember his lips moving at that time, but then everything after that was just such a blur. How did I get here? The successful overachiever girl that has it all together. How did I become the woman now that has severe panic and anxiety disorder? Wow. How long were you, how long were you kind of like trapped in that, that space of being in your room and your mom's caring for your kids? I mean, that's just... I mean, the whole thing, babe, I'm, the hell, the hell, the torment. It was, it was three weeks solid of back-to-back -back panic attacks. And I will, I, 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 I talk about it like it's a marathon, right? It, it's like you run a marathon and then you get a quick breath and then all of a sudden another one happens. And it sounds dramatic, but I felt like I was fighting for my life. So what happens chemically in your body at this point is I was in fight or flight for so long. For so long, I've talked about that capacity, that stress threshold. Finally, my body said, enough, too much. You are a workaholic. You are striving. You are achieving. You are prideful. You, you're doing all of these things. You have tons of conflict at work. You have so much stuff that's unresolved. And all of these things just kept building and building and building until boom, that was it. It was over. I, I literally had a medical nervous breakdown. My body was stuck in flight or flight. The cortisol, the adrenaline is flooding my body constantly and it was stuck in overdrive. And that's when a, that's when a nervous breakdown happens is when your body cannot kick back out of that. So by the grace of God, I was able to get medication in my body, but that alone, looking at a bottle of antidepressants when the doctor gives it to me and says, I'm going to prescribe you some antidepressants and it's going to help you. I'm thinking, but I'm not depressed. But what people don't realize is anxiety and depression are, 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 are cousins. Like they go together. They can't differentiate that part in your brain. It, it goes together. So often someone that has depression, they often have anxiety and vice versa. So I, I but I'm looking at the bottle of pills and I'm like, I'm already in panic and anxiety. I see the side effects of what happens in this and I cannot bring myself to take this pill because I was prideful and uneducated. 
I didn't think I needed the help. And I also didn't understand what the medication was going to do to help me. So it's like, it's why I'm so passionate about this work is first of all, what are the smoke alarms? You know, how, how, I don't want someone to have a nervous breakdown. Like I did. Can we pay attention to these smoke alarms before they happen? So you don't get there. So uh, I think Christy asked me, it, it was at least three weeks of hell and 18 months of recovery until I was completely felt like I was back to normal again. Wow. Yeah. So what was the process of coming out of that and what you refer to as like a re the recovery process? What did, what did that look like and how did you get to where you are? So I mentioned I was a CEO Christian before uh, this nervous breakdown, which is Christmas, Easter only. That is that is what my relationship with God looked like. I was not anti-God. I wasn't against God. I just didn't need him because I was superwoman. I had everything together. I was doing everything just fine. I didn't need him. And it wasn't until I was completely out of control and out of my mind and out of my body that I realized, well, hey, this superwoman stuff just isn't working for me. And I realized my superwoman cape was strangling me and that I had to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And that was a surrender moment for me. It was, okay, God, if you're real and you're, you, you are who you say you are, will you come in? I, it was desperation, ladies. Like, I wish I could have a better story of why I turned to God, but it was literally like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I didn't even know what I was doing when I was down on my knees in the middle of a panic attack saying, God, please help me. If you're real, will you come in and do what you can do? Because I need you right now. And I remember, I remember on my knees promising, if you will help me, I will dedicate my life to you. And I didn't even know what I was saying at that point. And so that was a breakthrough moment there, give, just surrendering and saying, I give it to you, God. And then at this point in our journey, my husband and I had never prayed together. We, we had never come together as a couple and prayed. And so there was a really big moment in my story where my husband is an avid hunter and loves to be out in the outdoors. We have some farm where he, he hunts a lot. So we have hunting guns in the corner of our bedroom and they're not locked. They're not loaded, but I was in. Hmm. I was in a pretty deep, dark state where this, the kingdom of darkness just kind of came over me and said, why don't you use those guns? Why don't you just use them? Because you're never going to get through this. This is going to be your life forever. And I remember thinking, what if I did? What, what if I went ahead and used those guns? Because I don't think I can do this forever. I don't think I can go through this forever. And then I remember having this like, oh my gosh, no, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to my family. I couldn't do that to my, like, no. So I took blankets and I covered the hunting guns. And I remember my husband getting home from work that day and I just fell into his arms. I was just a sobbing, weeping mess. And I'm like, Troy, it was such a hard day. It was such a hard day. And then I remember him looking over at the guns and they were covered. And he's like, why are my hunting guns covered? I was like, because I was tempted to use them. And he was like, whoa, like that was a moment where he's like, this is bad. This is, this is really, really bad. So that evening, my husband prayed over me and it was just this unbelievable. He took authority over the situation. He asked for wisdom. He, he asked God to show us what to do next next he rebuked like he he didn't know language but he just did it instinctively like we don't accept this and we we ask for wisdom now and we want sleep and rest for christy and help her stomach like i just all these things and that was the first night in almost three weeks that i slept and it was like all of a sudden this new wave of hope came over and then it's just like little mini miracles from that point forward. You know, my my wise primary care physician looked at me and said, I'm going to give you some medication. This is going to help. But gosh, you got to get to the bottom of this. You got to figure out why you're here. And this is what he said that, I, I mean, it rings ever so true in my mind. And I wish all doctors would say this about antibi or antibiotics, about antidepressants. But it's that it's never enough. You will take this medication and it will help you. But if you don't get to the root of why you're in the space that you're in, 
you're just going to up it next year and keep upping it and upping it and upping it until you're at the top threshold. So it is so important that we do the hard work, that we find out how did we get in this mess. And so that, that wisdom from my doctor was ringing, okay, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? I wanted, I wanted the answers to that. I wanted to know why. So it's, it's a good clinical team, good medication. It's surrender because fear and anxiety is not just a physical battle it is a spiritual battle as well we were not given a spirit of fear but of power love and sound mind we are not overcoming fear and anxiety as a society because we're only paying attention to one side or the other we are body soul and spirit we have got to start recognizing that and not just treating the physical side of fear and anxiety so true my gosh like this the whole time you're talking i am just like me too me too me too me too all of that just and i think about how the lord brought gave you these people like your husband praying over you the way that he did so beautifully and a, a and a pcp a primary care physician who was so wise not all doctors would have yeah, the time i thought that too say that you know and and I, and I, and then what I love that you said before that, you know, talking about the surrender, isn't it just so amazing how surrender is where we find our breath. That's where we find our freedom. It's not in doing this, being the superwoman, having it all doing. I mean, there's just so much of that. That's, uh, it's so beautiful. I love that you say this and, and, you know, something you've written exhaustion and hurry aren't a badge of honor. Like that is so beautiful to me. Can you say more about that? Well, I have a story in the book where I talk about my, he was 103 years old. My grand, my, it's my husband's grandpa, but we called him grandpa. It's grandpa Woodrow. And when I looked at him, I always saw him as somebody that was like, just never in a hurry, always peaceful. He, he's since gone and is with the Lord now. But I asked him, I said, you know, grandpa, why do you, why do you think we worry so much? And he just said, well, I think first of all, we we are in a hurry because we're worrying about things that are never going to happen. And I think so that that's kind of interesting. Our mind is always somewhere else. And I think that that makes us just uh, hurry worriers. <laughs> and then also we're just, we've got too much going on. Ladies, we, I mean, we are overcommitted. We've got way too much on our schedules and, and we also are not tapping out. So it's, it's input output. Whatever's coming in is going to come out. And I think social media, I think our phones, I think email, I think the constant notifications, I think those are all got us on a, on a, on a hurry train as well. So I think that what happens is a lot of times, especially as women are and successful, you know, women that want to keep going and hustling, we think that the more we're involved in, the more successful we're going to be. And I think being still and knowing we are God means that less is more. So I've really learned that I have to say, not everything that comes into your life is a God thing. It could be a good thing, but it's not necessarily a God thing. And there's a, a quote by Mark Batterson. I hope someday I get to meet him because he has just changed my life through his books, period. But he says, seek God, not opportunity, and then opportunity will find you. And I think we just, we say yes to so much and we're not asking God before we're doing it. And he is the one that will tell us yes or no. So I've tried to really just before something gets on my calendar, before something gets on my kid's calendar, like have we prayed as a family? Are we asking God if this is a God thing or a good thing? And really understanding that because so much of my breakdown came from being a workaholic, just constantly grinding and hustling. And it's our world is so full of these quotes that's like, you know, you can create your destiny, so go get it, or you're the captain of your destiny, or hustle harder, boss babe. And, and you know, all those things are sweet and cute, and they make great decor, but goodness gracious, like that that ruins your soul. So that's just, that's just what I mean, mean about, uh, you know, exhaustion and hurry aren't badges of honor. I, I love that. It's yeah. Those are the stories that keep us stuck, that keep us hustling for our worth. It keep us, even if we, even if we see them and can call them out for the untruths they are, you know, 
and that's the process, right? It, it, it's it's constant. It's a practice of of doing that and paying attention to what is coming in. Um, I love that so much. I I also love the subtitle, the Finding Freedom from Fear and in and Anxiety in a World that Feeds It, which is what you kind of just spoke to, is like how the world is kind of making it really hard for us to not live that way. What are some of your best practices for kind of combating that? What do you What do you teach? Well, you know. Jesus says that in this world, we will have trouble, but to take heart because he has overcome the world. We know that peace does not come from this world. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. That's where our peace comes from. But I think so many times we look to alcohol or we look to social media or we look to a friend or a person or we look to something else to fill that God sized hole that only Jesus can fill. And so the world feeds us the totally opposite message, just period. I mean, you open up your social media right now and fear is what is driving 99.9% of whatever it is that we're looking at. And so we just have to be smarter than that. We have to be men and women of God that know that this world is feeding us fear and anxiety and that we have to go against the grain. And it's the taking our thoughts captive. It's renewing our mind. It's do. It's looking different than this world. And I know it's hard. I'm raising teenagers right now. Like I know that the path is narrow and that we're going to look different. But man, if we'll do the hard work and we'll renew our mind and we'll look Look different than this world. The joy and peace that surrounds you when you do the hard work is so much more valuable than a title, than money, than a drink of wine, than anything that this world could give you. And, and I think that when you finally get a hold of that, when you finally realize, my God, it is so much better to walk the narrow path with Jesus than it is the broad path to highway to hell then your life changes and you're full of purpose and joy and direction. And you realize like what you girls are doing, like you, there's so much joy and purpose and, and teaching the world about, you don't have to drink wine to have a great life. You don't. And, and you wake up every day and you get to do this work. And that's how I feel. My pain has turned to purpose. And now when I see a man or a woman struggling with fear and anxiety, I'm so grateful that the hell that I went through that almost took me out of this world, now I get to turn back around and go, no, wait, wait, wait. I've been there, baby. I've been there, man. Like I know what it feels like. Let me walk alongside you. It's the beautiful scripture in Corinthians that talks about comfort others with the same comfort that God has given you. And if we'll all just walk in that beauty and that purpose, your life is going to be so much better. So true. So good. It's so good. And it's just so true. And I just love everything that you just said. I mean, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. But can you talk to us a little bit about, you said earlier, you know, the, the smoke detectors, like what to be aware of? Because, you, you know, when you described your story so beautifully, it was came out of nowhere. So how do, yeah, how do you teach what to look out for? That's good, Christy, because that is another piece that's so important. So not too long ago, we had our toilet overflowed in our bathroom and it just completely flooded the bathroom. And then what wound up happening is the water came through the vent and then down into our basement and the smoke alarm started going off. So there wasn't an actual fire in our house, but there was something to tend to. And so our smoke alarms are built-in blessings that God has given us in our body. And they're things that look like insomnia at night, tension headaches, maybe tension in your jaw because you're holding so much tension that you actually like feel the joints like hurting, stomach problems. It's, you know, the, the, the old saying, I've got butterflies in my stomach. Well, that probably means that you have anxiety. If you've got a, a long-standing butterflies in your stomach, or what about the old saying, you're a pain in my neck? What does that mean? That means that you're, that there, you have so much stress going on that you've got tension in your neck or your shoulder blades or whatever it might be. So if I look back on my story, I had all of those smoke alarms and then some, and constant racing thoughts was another one. But no one told me, hey, this means the precursor to our nervous breakdown. I, if somebody would have come alongside me and said, hey, all this tension you've got in your body and this insomnia that you're having and these constant racing thoughts, if you'll just do a thought dump at night before you go to bed, like this is going to really, really help you. But no one taught me those things. So I'm just, I, I, I'm like 
I'm sitting, like pretend that I'm having coffee with you right now, whoever's listening and I'm looking at you just so kindly and I'm saying, sweetheart or buddy, whoever's listening right now, you've got smoke alarms going off. Please pay attention to them. If a smoke alarm was going off in your home right now and you were hearing, you were hearing it, you wouldn't ignore it. You can ignore it because it's annoying, right? These smoke alarms are a blessing Thank the Lord that, okay, I'm not sleeping. God, thank you that I'm not sleeping. And now I can get to the root of why I'm not sleeping. Lord, thank you that I've got racing thoughts. That's an indicator that something is going on in my body and I need to do something about it. So the smoke alarms, I have a whole chapter in my book about what smoke alarms are. What do you do when they go off? How do you handle them when they do go off? And a lot of it is just the recognition. If you'll just recognize, if you'll just recognize that you've got these smoke alarms going off, that's half the battle. Because what happened was, is I wasn't recognizing them. And then all of a sudden, boom, my body just completely shut down. And I don't want that for you. So true. And our bodies are so wise at, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to give us those clues. But because of this world that we live in where everything is vying for our attention, it is really, we are so distracted. It's hard to pay attention to the wisdom of our body and the clues, the signals that it's giving us to be able to get ahead of it and not end up. Yeah. Like you, like you were, oh my gosh, what a beautiful mess to message story. I think it's just incredible. Well, and just, just this morning, I mean, I'll just be very honest with you. Speaking to your audience is a big deal and it is an honor to do so. And I was nervous. I was absolutely nervous. And my mother-in-law's in the hospital right now. We've got a lot going on with our, with our family and just some things that are happening. I, it, it, I always feel like a fake when I get on here and I talk about overcoming fear and anxiety, and then I still struggle with fear and anxiety. So I, I, I call them aftershocks because I had a nervous breakdown. And I believe that I am, I have overcome severe panic and anxiety disorder, but just like an earthquake will come and there'll be an aftershock later. I'll have an aftershock here and there. I'll have some panic. I'll have some anxiety. So right before I I got on with you guys, I missed my prayer time this morning because I was tired and I wanted to sleep in. And then now, so I'm starting to feel the, the tight chest that that's another smoke alarm. I'm starting to feel the rubber band come across. I'm sort of, my heartbeat is racing a little bit faster. That's a smoke alarm. And I just thought, you know what? No, I, this podcast is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I sat for five minutes and just breathed deeply and prayed. And so it was like, first, it was a practical thing. Take some deep breaths, Christy. You're feeling anxious, right? That those deep cleansing breaths lowers your cortisol. It lowers your heart rate. It it lowers all of that stuff. That's practical. Okay, what's spiritual that I can do here now? I need to pray. I need to invite God into this moment. I'm nervous. I'm scared. You know, all the lies, the stories that you guys say, the stories that keep you stuck, the lie that I believe about myself. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough value. I don't have enough knowledge to bring to the table. These are incredible life coaches. They know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like all these lies that you just get inundated with that just aren't true. So I had to take a moment to focus and be like, God, you will give me everything I need. You will be my mouthpiece. This isn't my, this isn't my podcast. This is yours. Take the wheel. Like Jesus, Carrie Underwood says, Jesus, take the wheel. Just take the wheel. I need, I need you to take over in this moment. So I think where we find ourselves stuck is when we just try to be it all. We try to be superwoman. So it's like that visual reminder. I have to like literally look at like, okay, I'm untying my cape and I'm putting it down. I don't need my cape today. I don't need my cape ever. All I need is Jesus. And if I'll just yoke up with him and walk alongside of him, take care of everything. So yeah, I don't have it all together. That's for darn sure. But that's what's, I mean, I think that's what's so powerful about and relatable relatable because this is not whether you're trying to find freedom from fear and anxiety or freedom from alcohol or freedom from fill in the blank. We all have our things. And by the way, they all kind of, you know, entangled together and mesh with themselves. But um, whatever it is that we're trying to find freedom from, except for I will say with alcohol, finding freedom from alcohol, like that is a done deal for me. There is no desire, no temptation. I found freedom. I can confidently say that like, I will not drink again. But um, what you're talking about with fear and anxiety is it's not a, it's not a linear journey. It's we don't reach the destination of now I found freedom from it. And I'm, you know, like we like to believe where we can just, it's okay. It's all fixed and solved now. And now I'm good. That's, that's a lie too. Right. And I think our more stories that the world feeds us that we can find the problem solution and here's the fix. And maybe it is just medication and there there's that quick fix, but to your point, kind of doing the work and understanding where it comes from and 
being open to, okay, I know what to do. I don't have to be afraid of panic or anxiety. I don't have to fear fear because I know what to do because I have this experience. And by the way, I'm not alone. I've got this, you know, savior who is there walking alongside me every step of the way. So I love that you highlight that. And that is something that it's, it's a practice. It's not a linear journey that we get to go on. It's a kind of this like circular journey and, and that's okay. That that's, that's why we need Jesus. So thank you for sharing all of that. Absolutely. That's something that just kind of triggered something in my heart and I'm not quite sure why, but there is this weird thing that happens sometimes in Christianity where, where faith giants or people of faith will say, you don't have enough faith if you struggle with X, Y, Z. You don't have enough faith if you have an addiction. You don't have enough faith if you struggle with fear. You don't have enough faith. And that drives me bonkers because I, I feel like I'm a faithful person, yet I'm a human person. And I think there are so many times where you know, they, they, they say that fear is mentioned over 400 times in scripture. And, and some of those fears are representations of reverence to God and awe of God. But a lot of it is the normal fear and anxiety that we have every single day. And I think our Savior is so good that he gave us that many reminders to do not be afraid and do not worry and do not be anxious because he knows we're going to struggle with it. And I think that I want to be a woman of God where I, it's not that I never have fear. I learn to fear less. And that, that's what I think I want for everyone. And I, and I think if we could just learn to build our faith, knowing that we're going to walk through some areas of depression, we're going to walk through some fears, we're going to walk through some anxieties, but gosh, every time we do that, we kick that lesson to the curb. And then we become, we, it's like we, it's, it's like we just keep going up the ladder of becoming more and more faithful. Because I will tell you, there's a season where I lost three people back to back within two weeks, my father-in-law, my Troy, uh, Troy's grandma, and then one of my dear friends lost her husband. Then our whole family got COVID three of us got COVID on my 40th birthday. So it was just like this sweeping depression of like all these terrible things happening. I had an aftershock where I had some panic and I, I came to my husband. I was like, Oh, I cannot believe I let this get so bad. I, you know, I got, I had another panic attack and he's like, Christy, we just lost three people. You have COVID your family's sick. We're grieving. Like, Think about how far you've come and this, like even three years ago, you, this would have set you back so much further. So I think I just want to say to the person that is taking baby steps to recovery, let's celebrate a hot second. Let's say, hey, you're not where you used to be. And that's something to, to, to be so excited about. So instead of shaming yourself about the fact that maybe you still have a struggle or maybe you still want to take a drink or maybe you're still, you know, dealing with that temptation, why don't you switch, you know, flip the script and say, thank you, Lord, that you helped me overcome and that there's no temptation you won't help me get through. And so I think that, that that's just really important. And I know that I've shamed myself being a leader of someone that, you know, tells people how to overcome fear and anxiety. How, when I do have setbacks, I, I feel a little embarrassed and I feel a little shameful. But I, then I realized that when I'll share after I've kind of overcome that little aftershock, it resonates with someone or somebody's like, me too. I've had that happen too. And then it's like, okay, Lord, you used, you used it. You used it for a greater purpose. Well, and it highlights the victory over evil because yeah. evil's trying to take that's it's like that creeping in, trying to take advantage of that situation. And here, remember what this feels like. And you can't do, you, you know, it gets all up to you. You're in control. You've got to like all those things that come in and that climb to fuller, is that a word? Fuller faith, <laughs> being more faithful. My gosh, like each of those victories over evil like amazing and being able to to rejoice and praise like praise for that versus where am i still falling short and realizing that's that's just a trick of the enemy you know oh i love that yeah we forget so fast right we forget so fast all the things that he's done and all the times that we have like overcome and he's shown up for us and so that's just us being human and fallen and Every time that those aftershocks happen, you know, is another chance for 
you to tell this amazing story and for God to show up and bring you through it. And it's, it's so beautiful. I love it. And then to be that body for other people, you know, to be able to experience that as well. I love that so much. So good. Talk to us a little bit about like who to share with, understanding who to share with, which people like you feel like you've learned that you can open up to if you, this is so I think key for both you know, anxiety, drinking, everything is just feeling alone, right? Like that's such a big piece of it is when you feel like you're going through any of this by yourself. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I have this weird analogy, but walk walk it through with me, ladies, real quick. But okay, so if you're in a bathroom and you have a shower door, okay, this isn't as trendy and cool anymore, but it used to be. The frosted glass on the bathroom door used to be pretty trendy. And <laughs> yes. cool, right? so I think about like when I'm in when I'm in the bathroom and I've got frosted glass. You think about this as an analogy for people in your life, okay? You wouldn't just open your bathroom door to anybody and let them in when you're in the shower, right? But when you've got the frosted glass, there's a little bit of transparency, but you can't see everything, right? That's how we should be with most people. We should be transparent, but not, or we should be authentic, but not transparent or unfiltered, right? So your unfiltered raw thoughts, ideas, feelings need to be with your inner circle people, period. Jesus had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Those are the people that get you at your best. They get you at their worst. They've got your back. They pray for you. They love you. Here's what happened. I used to share my unfiltered comments, thoughts, ideas with people that were not in my inner circle. And it burned me every single time. So we have to learn who are our inner circle people. Now I hear somebody screaming on the other side. I don't have an inner circle per person. My marriage is a mess. I don't have a best friend. I don't da 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 da. I hear you. I, I, I understand. That's when Christian counseling, that's when a pastor, that's when maybe your small group leader, that's when someone like that, that needs to be where you, you, you give your inner circle raw, deep, negative thoughts. There's a quote by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I feel like I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to read it real quick. I want you guys to hear it, but it says, this is out of her book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Ooh, so good. But she says, we can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but we can't even go three seconds without thinking. Okay. That means our thoughts matter. Our thoughts matter. And we have a lot of them if we can't even go three seconds without thinking. And the way in which we think will impact our health and body, period. We we do not give enough attention to our thoughts. Our thoughts can sink you or make you sore. Right. They can. They can. <laughs> so I always say you've got to get the darkness out into the light. When you get the darkness out into the light with your safe inner circle people, freedom will start happening. Freedom thoughts will start happening. So first and foremost, you're, you, you, you've got categories of people. Your inner circle are the people that you can trust with that, with that unfiltered, not frosted glass. And then you've got your next set of people, which is, it is filtered. It, it is, it's transparent. You can see a little bit into it, but you can't see everything. So those are the people that maybe you say, Hey, I'm having a rough day. Will you pray for me? But you don't give them the juicy details. You don't give them everything. And I think when you're dealing with fear and anxiety, if you're dealing with an addiction, if you're dealing with things that you're deeply struggling with, who you open your heart to, it matters. It matters tremendously. And if you share your darkness with someone that hasn't earned it or you can't trust, you're going to wind up in a heap of more anxiety and stress. And I'm the first one to tell you that that has happened to me. So sometimes your family isn't the best people to share with. And just because they're blood doesn't mean that they've earned the right or the, the, the respect to be able to be trusted with your darkness and your innermost thoughts and stuff. But they do need to get out of there. They absolutely need to get out of there. My husband and I are walking through a situation with, with my mother-in-law right now. And one of the doctors gave him like a potential diagnosis of what it could be. Guess what he did? He went and Googled it. Well, that's a number one rule with fear and anxiety. Google is not God. Do not Google. Do not Google. Do not Google. And so he Googles. And then what happens? His snowball of thoughts. It could be this. It could be this. What if it's this? What if that? And before you know, he's like, I got 
tightness in my chest. I'm starting to feel anxious. And I'm using him as an example, but I have done that 162 times. And now I just will not Google. My inner circle knows I will not Google anything. And if they feel like something needs to be Googled, they will Google it for me and then share it very carefully because they know that's a boundary with me. They know that that sets off anxiety in my heart. So what are your triggers? I'm jumping all over the place here, but triggers are really important too. But your inner circle and those safe categories of people are people that can help hold you accountable in those situations. But you definitely need to share what you need. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have boundaries with drinking with, with your inner circle. Like they know, they just know to respect it. And, but have you communicated that? And do, and do they know? So my inner circle knows that medical concerns are a big thing for me. So they're not going to open their mouth and say anything because they know that that can trigger me. They love me well in those situations. So it's just, it's really important that the right categories of people and who you share your darkness with that matters. It's, it's, it's so true. And the power of being able to share vulnerably with the right people, the people who are in that inner, inner circle, I mean, the healing that comes from that and the, the working together on that, gosh, I just, I mean, you're just speaking my language. <laughs> so like everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. So, so good. So good. Talk to us a little bit. I want to know, like, know more about how your ministry ended up like coming into being and what it does. And I want to know more about that. So I have an 18 month recovery, right? I, I go, it starts with intensive Christian therapy where you're in it several times a week, doctors, medication, doing the hard work, learning freedom thoughts, which is doing your thought dumps and renewing your mind every single day. That single-handedly, I will tell you, was one of the major, major turning points for me is learning to recognize a lie that I believe about myself and turning it with and, and covering it with the truth of God and doing very often thought dumps. Whenever I feel anxious, I'll write down what it is that's going on and then turn it into declarations. So that, that, that was big anyway. So 18 months of this hard, hard work in this journey, it was mother's day after, after the 18 months. And I just hear this prompting Christy, share your story. And I just thought, well, how am I going to share my story? What am I going to do? So I put together a blog spot. It was when Blogspot was still around. <laughs> and I share my my story about Cancun and having the nervous breakdown. I put it in three parts. Y'all, I didn't even check the grammar. I mean, I just threw this bad boy out there. It was awful. You can still find it if you look hard. But and and but what was wild is I kept getting DMs from people. And all I did was share shared it on my Facebook at that point. Me too. How come nobody's talking about this? I had this too. Thank you so much for sharing. And it was just like, whoa, wow. Okay. And then I got asked to speak at my church. And so I gave my testimony there that turned into a speaking engagement, which turned into just asking the Lord, what do you want me to do next? And I've just felt an anxiety uh, support group. So we started an anxiety support group in St. Charles, Missouri, and 36 women showed up at a library and we had an anxiety support group. Then it turned into a nonprofit. Then it turned into 1200 women show up at, at a meeting where we're like, what the heck is happening? Like, this is, oh my goodness. And then we realized it was growing really big, really fast. And then we needed to go, we needed to go deeper and go smaller. So we started creating small group material, uh, where people could come in. Now we have 10, what we call impact groups. They're Bible studies where you learn how to overcome fear and anxiety on different topics. So now we have those. Now we do retreats where we gather women that are dealing. We have a breakthrough retreat coming up, I'm writing a book. It's just one act of obedience after another. So somebody has a, a dream on their heart, just take the next right step. Just take one step of obedience and he'll show you the next. If somebody would have told me, Christy, would you have thought like it's six years into a nonprofit that you would have 10 Bible studies, you know, a, a book deal and speaking all over, you know, would you, would you have to, you know, would you, no, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought I was starting an anxiety support group, you know, and God just had so much bigger, bigger, bigger plans. So our ministry just puts programming out into the world to help people overcome fear and anxiety. So beautiful. Mm, I love uh, that. I don't know. I have chills. Like I'm tearing up because it's just God's so good, right? Just you, you didn't know, like, just like me and I always say, we never, ever in a million years ever thought we'd be sitting here doing this work. And it's just, I love it. It's so, it's so good, babe. Oh, 
I don't know. I'm getting emotional. Mead, you talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just keep coming back to as well. And maybe you can kind of speak a little bit more to this. I mean, you were like, you weren't a follower of Jesus and then, you know, you surrender. So like it's, it started with the putting the cape down and that surrender. And yeah, like, yeah, I, I think that's where I, I find that it's so it always blows my mind when I hear other stories like that, because that was so true for me too. And it's like, well, of course it's that simple. Like it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. And so that surrender comes in, you know, inviting the Lord to do that, which he wants to do for us. And in doing that, oh my gosh, like the abundance, everything that comes from that, like, I don't have to control everything. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Who knew I didn't have to control everything? Like, but it's, it's so hard, I think, um, to, to, to help other people get to that. And so for the person out there who is like, yes, I, I believe in God. Like I know with my head, like I, I am all for God, but maybe there's just that one person in my heart that I'm having a hard time surrendering it all to him because that's because you haven't seen my life and I've got to, you know, I got to run a tight ship and I've got all the things. What would you say to that, to that person? How would you encourage them? Control is a dead end street that will get you nowhere. And for me, that dead end was severe panic and anxiety disorder. I think the woman or guy that might be listening that doesn't know how to surrender, what it takes is not knowledge in your brain. It takes a heart, a heart shift. And that heart shift is, I don't have to know all the answers. I don't need to really even understand why this is happening. I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust. And I think we don't know how to trust anymore because we trust ourselves more than we trust a God who is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. I think a lot of that comes from hurt, wounding. We've had fathers that maybe haven't been great fathers. We've had people treat us poorly. We've had human relationships let us down, and we equate that to God. We look at that and we think, oh, well, God must be that way too. Or God, I think I even heard you guys say in a podcast that it's like, God surely doesn't care about the little things of my life, right? He doesn't, he, he doesn't really care that I need help with X, Y, Z, but the truth is he does. He has every hair numbered on your head. He loves you so unconditionally, more than the grains in the sand. That's how much he loves you. And we have to understand that we cannot overcome fear and anxiety until we understand that his perfect love will cast out fear. When I know when I'm going in for a colonoscopy and I don't know what's going to happen, which is a true story, and I'm scared out of my mind, I have to trust that no matter what, God is there and he is faithful, and he is good. When I'm fr afraid that my kids are going to not love Jesus the rest of their life, you know, like they're going to go off another path, I can just say, God, I surrender and I trust you because you love my children more than I could even possibly love my children. When I'm worried about my mother-in-law and the diagnosis and what's happening, and because I, I have to say, you know what? Control is a dead-end street. If I try to control this situation, I'm going to be more anxious and more fearful. So that the advice is surrender is an everyday, sometimes minute by minute thing where you're, just, you're recognizing I'm controlling right now. I need to rest. I'm controlling right now. I need to trust. I'm controlling right now. I need to breathe. And that's what changes things. When we'll just learn to recognize that we're being controlling, that we aren't walking in a, a in surrender, then things change. You know, salvation is a choice. We, we decide to give our lives over to Jesus. That's a moment that's sealed in eternity, which is so beautiful. But the sanctification of surrender is an everyday, really <laughs> difficult thing. And every time so choose to say yes to Jesus, we lay down fear and anxiety and we trust him a little bit more. We're not going to do it perfectly, but man, every time we try and we just say, I give it to you, Jesus, even just the simple, I give everything and everyone over to you. Just, just say it, just do it, just say it and then breathe it in and breathe it out. Like if we'll just be more aware, it, it'll change everything. We always end with a tiny new action. And I feel like that's the perfect tiny new action right there. Yes. Right? That's our tiny Tina. I love it. 
I love that. I'm going to start saying that. That's so good. Tiny new action. <laughs> just take one step, one little step. Just one tiny. Yeah. Doesn't have to be big. And and yeah, I mean, the the illusion of control is an illusion. And the sooner we can see that it's an illusion and, and turn it over, that's, yeah, that's where we, that's where we breathe again. That's where we find that freedom. That's where we find the love, the joy, the peace and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, Christy, thank you so, so much. What, I mean, I like, we do this where we're like, no, we want to keep going and, and talk forever. I could just listen to you talk. You know, there's day, a revival going on right now, right? It, it, have you guys heard? Yes. About yeah. Like, oh Yeah. <laughs> going let's just keep it going no oh, <laughs> I love it. can I, you sorry let's go ahead <laughs> I just I've completely enjoyed this this has just been so beautiful I feel like we could just keep going and keep talking so thank you so much for having me on of course of course we loved it tell everybody about just the book and where to find it and when it's coming out and when it, and by the time this episode airs it'll it'll be in pre like pre-launch but we'll also put all of this in the show notes obviously but Tell everybody a little bit about the book because we're so excited about it. Nervous Breakthrough, Finding Freedom from Fear and Anxiety in a World that Feeds It. It's my personal journey of overcoming severe panic and anxiety disorder. And it walks you through very vulnerable and just hard, hard moments of how to overcome fear and anxiety, how I did it. And I want you to go get it. It's for anyone that could be on the verge of a breakdown, heading towards one, or has already walked through one. It's for people that have loved ones that are dealing with fear and anxiety and they have no idea what to do with them. It's it's for that person too. It's for the church community so that they can learn to love and care for people with mental illness a little bit better. You can get it at fearlessunite.com or you can go straight to Amazon and pick it up there. And yeah, I would cherish you picking up a copy and giving it to somebody else as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, such a yeah, good gift, such a good gift, gift book. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, thank you again. We love this. This was so thank so you good. so much. So grateful thank for you. you. Thank you. Bye, ladies. We'll see you next Monday. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at. I'm not sober, I'm free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.